two-part series on God's promise and plan for prosperity. Now with that subject being controversial, let me make a couple of statements before we begin. Any truth can be taken to an extreme and become error, okay? Truth and error don't live across the town, they live right next to each other. So people who abuse a truth, the enemy's clever ploy is let somebody abuse it and then the legitimate people won't use it. Clever. You throw the baby out with the bath wash. That's dumb. Never, never give up a Bible truth because someone uh, exploited it or abused it. Does that make sense? If it's a biblical truth, is it not yours? Okay, well, because some fool uh, abuses it, don't throw it away for crying out loud. God put it there to bless you, to help you. So I'm aware uh, of people who abuse uh, prosperity. I said before that that includes a lot more than just money. How about good health? I know a lot of people that got a lot of money, but they'd like to have health, and they don't have it, and their money can't buy it. I know a lot of people got money, and they're relationally poor. They don't have a friend in the world. So my point is, it's in all areas of our life we want to prosper. I want to be a, a happy, uh, contented person that's doing well, uh, producing more than enough so I can help uh, not only the kingdom here, but I can help others as needs arise. So we're not talking about everybody having a mansion and a Rolls Royce, okay? okay come on. Hey, talk to me. I don't want, I'm not into goofy. Healing is a Bible principle. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. But we realize that all sick people don't recover because the cemetery proves somebody's lying. If everybody's well, who dies? But we, what we do stop is the enemy prematurely taking my life with sickness and disease, and he gives us the legitimate right to pray, to anoint with oil, and to rebuke that. By the stripes of Jesus, we're healed. He tells us, I pray that you might prosper and be in health, right? That's a good scripture. So I believe in general it's God's idea for us to be well. But then some people come along and they take healing, and some people say, well, every sickness is a demon, and uh, everybody will get a miracle, and it, why would it be called a miracle if everybody got it? If I could get a miracle on demand, I'd have a whole bunch of them. Can't get one on demand, but I get miracles, and I've seen a few, a few. And I expect to see a few more before the end of my days. So I'm trying to say to you, keep everything in balance, okay? I, I, I'm not going into any extreme area, but I do believe exactly what I preach here. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 tonight. The Bible is the greatest book in the world on money management that leads to our prosperity. For example, God's children have historically been prosperous. Consider Abraham in Genesis 13, verse 2. It says, Abraham was very rich in cattle, silver, and gold. How about Solomon? Scripture says he was the richest man in the world in his day. He had fleets of ships manned by Phoenicians. They brought him tons of gold, silver, ivory, spices, exotic animals. Archaeologists say Solomon had hinges on his horse stables covered in gold. How many of you know Solomon could send a care package to Warren Buffett when you got gold on horse stables? It, it is in the Bible, folks. Third John, verse 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that you might prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. And I pray that all the time. Pray it over myself all the time. Pray it over friends all the time. 
Pray it over yourself, right out of the Bible. I wish above all things that you might prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Jesus gave 38 parables. 16 deal with how to manage your possessions. There are 500 verses in the New Testament dealing with prayer. There are less than 500 dealing with faith. There are over 2,000 verses on how to manage the possessions God's given to us so we can live abundantly. So how many of you believe that prosperity is better than poverty? Thank you. Okay. We have a sane audience tonight. Absolutely. Poverty throughout Scripture is given to be a curse. It is not God's will. There's no revival in poverty areas of our city. There's rape, there's crime, there's murder, there's abuse, there's drug abuse, there's fear, there's absolute hopelessness. Poverty in no way ever in Scripture is linked to blessing. Joshua 1, verse 8, this book of the law, that's the Word of God, shall not depart out of your mouth. You say what God says, no matter what culture or the world says. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. But you, well, my mother said, well, my grandfather said, what did God say? Who's got the last word? You shall meditate in it day and night so that you may observe to do all that's written in it. That's obey it. For then, after you obey it, you, you will make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. Good success is God's will for your life. How many of you would like to have good success? Thank you. That's a, that's a worthy biblical goal. So let's consider some of God's promises for your prosperity. Number one, you will never prosper until you believe it's God's will for you to prosper. I meet many people who believe God can do many great things, but they believe it for other people, not themselves. See, faith is not believing God can. Faith is believing God will, and He will for me. God is no respecter of persons. So get out of your pity party and start agreeing with Scripture. Deuteronomy 8, verse 18, it is the Lord that gives you the power to obtain wealth. Not Wall Street, not the government, not your rich relative. All wealth comes from God Almighty. Psalms 1. Verse 1, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. If you hang around bitter people, you typically will become bitter. If you hang around judgmental people, you'll find yourself becoming judgmental. If you hang around with people who doubt everything, you're going to become a doubter. But the man who walks in the blessing of the Lord shall be like a tree planted by rivers of living water. That means he has abundance. His leaf shall not wither. That's sustained prosperity. And whatever he doeth shall prosper. So whether you are a farmer or a brain surgeon, you're going to prosper because God says he's the one that will bring it to you. Now, the difference between living a life of prosperity and a life of poverty as a believer is a choice. Luke 6, verse 38, give and it shall be given to you. So first you give, then God says he gives it back to you. If God gives to you without you giving to him, God has to break his own law and God won't. 
Your giving to Him is a testimony of your submission to Him as Lord of your life and the owner of everything. Then He gives back to you. How? Pressed down, shaken together, good measure, running over. So your financial success tomorrow is determined by our obedience today. And the day will come when all you have is what you have given to God. In Matthew 6, Jesus said in verse 20, lay up for yourself, who? For yourselves treasure in heaven. I'm convinced some Christians will only have a cigar band in heaven for a crown. They had not sent anything. Every time God gives you an opportunity to give, He also gives you an opportunity to increase your harvest. God wants you to invest in yourself. The day will come when all you have is what you've given to God. And money is never about money. Money is always about who do you trust. That's the biggie. See, God controls all the wealth in the world, and your income and mine is determined by my obedience to God. Psalms 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It does not belong to Satan. It belongs to God. It's His and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Giving is an obedience issue. Listen to Deuteronomy 28, first eight verses. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow His commands that I give you today, the Lord you got, your God will set you on high above all nations on earth. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. Then listen to what he says. You'll be blessed in the city, blessed out in the country. The fruit of your womb at your children will be blessed. The crops of your land and young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that your enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. That's good to know. They will come at you from one direction and flee in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land He has given you. So everything God does on earth comes from the principle of seed time and harvest. We find that in Genesis 8, verse 22, four things will remain as long as the earth remains, and one of them is while the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall never cease. You know, most young people have never been on a farm in today's culture. They think fruit and vegetables grow on the shelves of H-E-B. But it comes from a farmer who puts seed in the ground. And that seed germinates. It brings up a stalk of corn or wheat or whatever you planted. And from the Garden of Eden until today, seed time and harvest has not ceased, will never cease. Everybody who eats is interested in agriculture. Now consider the spiritual realm. How did Jesus come to the earth? Seed time and harvest. Genesis 3, verse 15, the seed of the woman, the woman is Mary, the seed is Jesus, shall crush the head of the serpent, that's Satan. The Holy Spirit planted the seed in Mary's womb, and the kingdom of God produced a warrior that destroyed the prince of darkness on the cross. Demons now tremble at the mention of his name. 
we have salvation, healing, deliverance, joy, peace, forgiveness, and the power to walk in victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil because of seed time and harvest. That seed in the woman produced a Savior and a Lord. Now consider the physical realm. How did you get here? Seed time and harvest. And those two things were separated by about nine months, right? Thanks, honey. Y'all with me? Somebody had to plant seed before you showed up. That's how it got here. And then harvest, the day you were born, about nine months. Consider the financial reality, Luke 6, verse 38. Give, that's plant seed, and it shall be given to you. If something as a believer in you resents giving, that something could not possibly be from God. Giving is living proof that the cancer of greed has not consumed my heart. Everything in life, everything in nature that God created and controls gives. The sun gives light and warmth, without which life on earth would cease. The clouds give rain. Without rain, not one crop would grow and life would cease. God gave His Son. That Son went to the cross and gave His life. That Son called twelve disciples. Those disciples gave their lives that we might hear the gospel. God has given His very best for you, and the question is, am I, are you, giving our best to Him? Give, and it shall be given to you. Okay, so what's the it that will be given to me? Simple. If you plant corn, you get corn. If you plant wheat, you get wheat. If you plant love, you get love. If you plant abundantly, you reap abundantly. But if you don't plant, you cannot reap. Nothing times nothing is nothing. Scripture says that the man who won't work should not eat. Socialism, however, tries to contradict that truth. Now God is obviously not talking about somebody who's handicapped, somebody who's been maimed, somebody who has become retarded and cannot possibly work, but He's talking about able-bodied young men or men who refuse to work. God says they should not eat. Now, you can argue any position on it you want, but if you take the kingdom position, God said, I made a man to be profitable and productive, and if that man won't work, put him out of your house. I don't care if he's married to you. I don't care if he lives with you. I don't care if he's a 30-year-old son living with you. If he won't work, put him on the street. Well, Rick, how can you be so hard? Don't say Rick. Say God. I didn't write it. God said, you put him out or he'll never go to work. So if you plant finances, you get finances. If you plant anger, oh Lord, you get anger. We watch it on TV. If you plant violence, you reap violence. You plant nickels, you get nickels. You plant dollars, you get dollars. You plant abundantly, you get abundance. Whatsoever a man sows, that and that only shall he reap. So in the area of your greatest need, you sow seed. Uh, become seed conscious, not need conscious. 
Oh, Rick, I have such a great need. Well, then start planting seed in that area. That's the only way you're going to get ahead of it. See, God multiplies your seed. He talks about 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Now, when God starts to multiply your seed, you can catch up. See, only God can supernaturally multiply what you have. Whatever a man sows, he's going to reap. If you sow wild oats, you're going to reap wild oats. You can't sow wild oats, run home and pray for a crop failure. It's going to come up, God's going to let you eat every bit of it. Well, Rick, I don't have any friends. Well, then start sowing friendship into someone's life. The Bible says, he that has many friends must show himself friendly. you got to be the one sowing the seed. Well, nobody's friendly in that church. No, thumb-sucking Sparky, it's you that's not friendly. We don't have an obligation to go find you. You have an obligation to go sow friendship into people. Get in a connection group, build friendship, sow friendship. God promises you will reap friends. It's an immutable law. It works for anybody, anytime, anywhere. From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible teaches that givers, generous people, gain. Give, and it shall be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And then in Matthew 13, there's the 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold gain. Now, I can't determine which one of those I get, but I'll take any one of those. How would you like that versus the bank paying interest today? 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Listen to Matthew 13. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase verse 3 through verse 23. A sower went out to sow, and seed fell on good soil and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Did you know that a hundredfold is 10,000 percent? I wish Bank of America would give me that. God's multiplication is a staggering thing. Don't ever say, I'm so far behind, I could never catch up. That is not true. In the economy of God, He specializes in helping you catch up. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. You still with me? 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. I'm sorry for reading the Bible, but we are a church. It says, God is able to make it up to you by giving you everything you need and more so that there will be enough joyfully to give to others. Whenever you drop one thing into the ground and it comes up a hundred times its value, suddenly you have buying power in spite of our government's devaluation. See, notice three things in the verse. Number one, God is able to make it up to you. He can give you back what the enemy has taken from you. In fact, seven times is what he promises. Proverbs 6, verse 31, the thief shall restore sevenfold. I like that. Oh, Rick, we lost. Rick, we lost. Are you a believer? Are you a giver? God says, the thief shall restore. I remind him of it. Yes. I've been robbed twice. Yeah. You don't think I've been screaming? I scream those verses. Yeah. And I've never had God fail to bring it back and continues to bring it back. This stuff works. 
I've been a believer since I was—I've been a tither since I was 18. If this stuff didn't work, uh, you can bet I'm not buying into it. I'm nobody's patsy, and so I'm just like you. Scripture is going to either be true or it's going to be false. Let me tell you, Saturday night, you guys need to come on Sunday. You, you guys are blown out of the water. Sunday, it's amazing. Is it because this crowd is old? I don't know. Somebody told me the older people come on Saturday. I don't, I, I don't know. But your response is, uh, okay. That means what you lost in a bankruptcy, God can bring it back. What you lost in a bitter divorce? God can bring that back to you. What you lost in a business failure because economic conditions turned against you, oil has gone down so terribly, many people were out of jobs, many companies have lost millions and millions of dollars. God says, as a believer, if you do what I say, I can bring that back to you. What you lost when you were unemployed, God can bring it back to you. Your only hope of catching up is planting your seed in the kingdom of God. Why? Because God says He multiplies it and brings it back to you exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or imagine. How about telling your neighbor tonight, hey, good things are getting ready to happen to me. Go ahead. Just say it. I dare you. Good things are getting ready to happen to me. Secondly, you must plant your seed before you can ever expect a harvest. Well, who would know that? Duh. You got to plant seed before you get any kind of an increase. You plant before God brings it back to you. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 2. There is a time to plant and a time to pluck up. That's harvest. See? Without seed time, it's impossible to have a harvest. If you give nothing, you get nothing. And you can pray till Jesus comes back, but you get nothing. Give and you shall receive. Do you know you never pray for money? God has a formula. When God gives a clear formula, there's no need to pray. You obey it. There are many things to pray about. But if I'm not doing what God said is the formula to get it, I can pray till Jesus comes back and nothing's going to happen because He's given me a principle. He loves me, but the principle works if I do what He said. I can't get a harvest by praying. I get a harvest by planting. What if a farmer walked all over his field in the springtime, oh, God, give me a great harvest. Oh, God, give me the best wheat harvest I've ever had, and he didn't plant a seed. Oh, doofus, he's going to get nothing but weeds, fire ants, nothing, right? Yet Christians do it all the time. Oh, pray for my finances. I'll pray for you. I'm going to pray that you'll obey and do what God said, then God will do what He promised He will do for you. And you'll get out of that ditch in record time, because God says, I'll make it up to you. See, God can increase what you give a hundredfold, sixtyfold, or thirtyfold, but nothing times nothing is still, come on, nothing. John 12, verse 24, says, except a grain of wheat fall in the ground, it abides alone, and it does no good. See, until it gets planted, seed doesn't do any good. When what you have in your hand is not enough to meet your need, I was taught, and I still practice, turning it into seed. Sometimes I've had a need, and what I had wasn't enough, so I just simply turned it into seed. 
I've been given, sometimes someone will give me some money or something, and my need is much, much greater than that. I'll turn around, and as I feel led by the Lord, I'll walk around, I'll give it to somebody, put it right in their hand, and keep the thing going. Why? I'm sending ahead of me that I need a bigger harvest, so I got to sow. It's simple. If that won't meet my need, sow it. Turn it into seed. Some of you ought to try this. I mean, it beats a whole lot of prayer meetings. And a whole lot of counseling. You wouldn't have to take a whole lot of seminars. You'd just do what God said. Bill Sitter and financial freedom be out of business. Amen, Bill. That's a fact. So, plan it. Let it become multiplied, and you'll soon have enough to meet your need and some left over for you. Bam. Now, you can do two things with seed. You can eat the seed. You can plant the seed. Your choice. Some people say, well, I have nothing to give. Absolutely wrong. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10 and 11, God who gives seed to sowers will give you more and more seed. To who? To sowers. God who gives seed to sowers will give you more and more seed to plant and make it grow so you can give away more and more fruit from your harvest. That's God's guarantee, not the government, God. And God never fails. And then some people will say, well, Rick, I just don't understand how God's economic system works. Well, here's the good news. You don't have to understand how God's economic system works. You don't have to understand God to enjoy God. I don't understand how a black cow eats green grass, gives white milk and yellow butter. But I drink the meat and eat the butter, the milk. How about you? Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, God says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord, neither are my ways your ways, says the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts, and my ways higher than your ways. God's saying, My intelligence makes you look like a three-year-old playing in a sandbox. God looks at you and says, Don't you even think you can think like me. I, you're, t you're like a roach compared to an IBM computer. God says, I can prosper you in so many ways you'll never figure it out. All I'm asking for from you is a sign of your obedience, that you recognize me as your God and your provider. Then I'll move heaven and earth to see that you have my divine abundance. Principle three, the tithe. That's tithing. Now, God says the tithe is not mine, it's the Lord's. Leviticus 27, verse 30, all the tithe of the land, whether it's the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is mine, says the Lord. Malachi 3, verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. And in our culture, that's your local church. God says all the tithe, don't tip me. Churches are full of tippers, not tithers. Statistics by Barna Research says that about 3% of believers actually tithe. The majority don't. Now, if you send your tithe to some class or a TV preacher or some charity, you call them for counseling, funerals, prayer, weddings, and support, right? You don't eat at McDonald's and pay Burger King. That's a fact, right? Now, God commands the tithe. I hear people say, the arguments are endless. Do, do what you want to do. 
Tithing was instituted 430 years before Moses was born and before the law. It was before the law, during the law, and after the law. When something changes at the cross, sometimes things are abolished, sometimes things change from natural to spiritual, and sometimes things come straight through, which is what makes churches goofy. This is called hermeneutics, and they don't teach it very well. For example, if the New Testament is silent, go back to the Old Testament and study. It was in detail there. It didn't change. Here's one. Circumcision in the Old Testament was of the flesh, correct? Yes. In the New Testament, Romans 2, Paul says, circumcision of the flesh now profits you nothing. It was a type, a picture of circumcision of the heart, which occurs in baptism. Read it for yourself. So it changed from natural, physical, to spiritual. But because it changed, the apostles have to tell me, right? They have to tell me. Worship and praise are all through the Old Testament. Tambourines and trumpets and clapping hands and shouting. Why is the New Testament kind of silent so that the Church of Christ has no musical instruments? Well, we don't see it in the New Testament. Well, duh. It's because God didn't need to write it again. It came right through. It came right through unchanged. So it remains the same. If it's abolished, or if it changes, he has to tell me. If it's not, then it comes right on through unchanged. I just told you something seminaries do not even know or teach, which is why we get into some strange, crazy doctrines. Okay? So, oh, the excitement is phenomenal. I feel the energy is like, you'd think Tina Turner was up here doing a show. Yeah. Mm. I'll tell you what, it'll save your life. And tithing was instituted all the way back to the Garden of Eden. It comes right on through the Old Testament. He went right through the law, and it went right into the New Testament. So we tithe because God commands it. People always want you to pray for their finances, but they don't want to tithe. You don't pray about a clear command. You simply obey it. Malachi, many times God told His warrior, get up, stop praying. Why? Because you know what the answer is, so I want you to deal with it. Quit praying. Why should I pray if he's already told me what to do? And what if you told your kid, go out and cut the grass, and then you find them in their room on their knees? What are you doing in there praying? Well, I'm just seeking the Lord about cutting the grass. I told you to cut the grass. Go cut the grass. Prayer meeting's over. And Christians get like that. And I thought, oh, wacky. Malachi 3, verse 9, therefore, because they didn't bring tithes and an offering, an offering is what you give above your tithe. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me in tithes and offerings. So remember now, he said, it's the Lord who gives you power to get wealth when you obey him. So he says, prove me, test me now, says the Lord, if I won't open the windows of heaven and bless you with more than you contain. You don't pray to receive more money, you give tithes and offerings. God says, if you're not faithful in a little, you won't be faithful in much. See, if you don't learn to tithe and give, why would God give you more if you're unfaithful with a little? If, if my child can't take care of an old used car, why would I buy a new car when they're abusing the old one? Well, a parent would say, well, I'm not going to buy you a nice car till you prove you can take care of the one you got. You'd say that. 
Thank you. This is hard work, his crowd. <laughs> Come on Sunday and watch how easy it is. Okay. Well, I'm saying God's, God wrote that in Luke 16. He says, if you're not faithful in a little, you won't be faithful in much. Forget, well, if I get this job, well, if I make that much, well, if I win the lotto, nothing will change. God says, if you're faithful in little, you'll be faithful in much. So learn to be faithful with what you've got, however little or much. And then God's promise in verse 11, Malachi 3, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Now, when you've got God as your defender, you're in great hands. He puts Satan on a leash to restrain him because you are God's property based on your life, living, and giving. From Genesis to Revelation, God's trying to get heaven on earth. Christians are always trying to, I'll fly away, get to heaven. God said, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So our whole idea is to get that kingdom right down here where we live, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, some of you were taught it's sinful to enjoy any material blessing. What absolute nonsense. There's no biblical truth to that statement anywhere. It was a doctrine of propini that came out of the Middle Ages, and it's contrary to everything the Bible teaches, that it's humble and loving and Christian to be poor. Ah, not a chance. And by, if I hear Jesus is poor, I'm going to just cram a Bible in somebody's face and say, here's a Catholic Bible. They even have it in the Mormon Bible. I'll put it over here and stick it in your face. And I said that Jesus wore nice clothes. They would, they, they, they would not split the clothes when the, the Romans gambled for his garment. It was too costly what he was wearing. Secondly, he had a treasurer. You, you got to have money if you got a treasurer. And Judas was stealing money, and nobody on the team knew it. He had more money than I've got. I would know. How about you? When the, when the wise men came to Jesus, they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They, they gave him a 401k at birth to sustain them while they were running from Herod, who was killing all the babies, and living in Egypt in a foreign land. God took care of their finances. You don't ever, I don't ever hear that. And some of you from a Catholic background, you need to wake up. It's in your Bible, too. Okay, okay. All right. I'm just saying, why would God give material blessings to all the saints, to even Jesus, and leave you out? Revelation 5, verse 12, worthy is the Lamb, that's Jesus, who was slain to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, glory, and blessings. Now, if you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ, you are a benefactor of everything that He has and everything that He is now. You're a joint heir with—that's why we walk around with authority. I actually believe it. I actually believe that. I've walked into operating rooms and surgical centers and emergency rooms, family members all wailing and confusion. And watch that thing just calm down. That's authority. And that authority isn't based on education, IQ, or cuteness. It's based on somebody knows who they are. Somebody actually knows who they are. I'm carrying the name of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, and I'm carrying God's authority. Whatever you bind on earth, I'll bind it in heaven. Whatever you loose, I'll loose in heaven. I'm, people don't realize how powerful you actually are. 
Well, Rick, I got a little sin in my life. Well, join the club. <laughs> Who doesn't? But that righteousness you've been given in the authority wasn't based on your righteousness. It's based on Jesus' righteousness. So stiffen up and carry yourself with a little more authority. If we only got authority and power because we were holy, well, my goodness, there wouldn't be much power. But I'm walking in His authority, His righteousness. He achieved that for me. I didn't achieve it. And it's not what I believe that brings the blessing, it's what I obey. You can walk out of here with a head full of, yeah, I believe that, I believe that, but you don't obey it, you don't get any result from that at all. I've been a tither and a giver since I was 18 years old, and I wasn't even a Christian. My grandfather was a great example to me on Saturday night preparing his tithe and then his offering as a Southern Baptist member of a church. And he told me, you'll never be broke in your life, Rick, if you will learn to put God first. And I'd heard lawyers say it in church during stewardship month. They would get up, my secretary writes the first check uh, every first of the month or whatever to my church, and I'd heard them do it. In fact, Baptists almost have more money than Charismatics. Charismatics always have to raise a miracle offering. Baptists just tithe. That's a lot easier. Just tithe. You know, a year ago or so when I talked about just tithing for three months, our income went through the roof. We could pay bills and have reserve. And then after three months, then people got nervous and quit. But it showed me what could happen when everybody, young and old, whoever makes little, even babysitting money, does what God said, there will always be provision in the house. And if that didn't work, it worked for me in the rock and roll band, and I was about as far away from God as Pluto is from the earth. But that was a principle. And God, He wouldn't get me into heaven, but He kept me out of debt, and it always kept me in provision. Always. I look back at that and I thought, very strange. God's principles work even for a lost person. If you're nice to your wife, you're going to get a good result even if you're a pagan. We got Christians that can't even stay married. They won't obey what God says to do. Same thing about handling money. So if you handle principles right, God promises you you'll get a result. Remember, none of this gets me into heaven. Jesus gets me into heaven. This just gets me out of debt and gets me provision while I'm on earth so God can look after His own kids. He loves you. He wants you to have good success and do well. And He always says, if, if you'll do this, if you'll do this, if you'll obey me, here's what I promise I'll do for you. God loves you, and God wants to prosper you. And remember, it is a trust issue, not a money issue. And boy, you reach for money and you'll find out what people trust in, and it'll scare you sometimes. And money isn't going to save you. Money isn't going to love you. Uh, money can pay bills, send missionaries, extend the kingdom, buy drugs. Money is just a tool. And God's got lots of it, and He owns everything. And he can bring it to you in a fish. He can bring it to you. The women in Herod's court supported Jesus' ministry on a monthly basis. Susanna was one of them named. There were several women, and they were all partners in that gospel for Jesus. Amazing. Amazing. And I thought, if God says this will happen for me, then I'm going to obey Him. And I've been doing that since I was 18 years old, and I've lived to see it come true. I just marvel that people would dare to believe Jesus will take them to heaven, but He won't take care of money. So it comes down to a real trust issue. And don't let money be your security. You know, if, if money is your security, it will be your chief source of anxiety. So 
you can, take, you can take money from me. I can lose money, but I'm not poor. I could be broke for a week, but I'd never think of myself as poor. That's a, that's a spirit, and that's an attitude. I hadn't been poor a day in my life. I've been without money a few times, but God always came through. I just never saw myself as poor. Don't think poor. Don't hang around poor people. Don't listen to poor talk. You listen to Bible. Let this Word dwell in you richly, God says. Renew your mind. Let that mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And as He told Joshua, let my Word be in your mouth. So no matter what financial unexpected hits us, whatever happens, I confess what God says from His Word over me by obeying that Word. And God comes through, solves the problem, takes care of the debt, always has, has a little bit more than enough. It's not lucky. It's not an accident. It's a principle, and it'll work for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay. Remember, this is for you. This is for you, for your family. Look after your family. The government, I'm not going to put my hands, my life in government's hands. I don't care who's in office. I'm going to trust God, and God can provide for me in a recession, in a drought, no matter what's going on. He'll take care of me. He'll rebuke the devourer for my sake. Doesn't mean I won't have battles. It just means I'm going to win. That, that enemy shall be cut off. They shall come at you one way and flee seven ways. They're going to come at you, and that's a fact. But you'll still be standing. You're going to be fine. So he's got my back. You know, he'll have your back. So let's do something. If you're a believer, let's make a good confession. Won't you? Come on, you've been, you're too slow. Stand up for me. Come on, unless you're handicapped, stand up. Stand up. Pray out loud with me this confession. Heavenly Father, I make this proclamation in faith believing. It is the Lord who gives me power to get wealth. It is the Lord who plants me by rivers of living water. My leaf shall not wither. And whatever I do shall prosper. You will make me the head and not the tail. You will give me houses I did not build, vineyards I did not plant, and wells I did not dig, because I have honored you with my living and giving. The harvest will come to me exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask or even imagine. I thank You, Lord, for gainful employment, and that I will be fruitful and flourishing, even in old age, because I am planted in the house of God. My harvest will be pressed down, shaken together, running over. I will be blessed going out. I will be blessed coming in. I will be blessed in my basket and in my storehouse. God will force Satan to restore to me sevenfold of all he has stolen. So my harvest is coming. It is abundant. It is from God the giver of every perfect gift. And I thank You, Lord, for a brand new beginning, and I choose to obey Your Word and walk in Your prosperity and abundance, knowing I am not limited by the government I live under, but by the kingdom of God and by Your eternal Word. 
in Jesus' name, bring it on. Amen and amen. For more information on Summit Christian Center and Rick Godwin, visit SummitSA.com and connect with us on social media.